Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on. Baby, don't you want to go? Well, come on. Baby, don't you want to go? Back to the same old place. Sweet home, Chicago. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Bears Nation Podcast. We have a special treat for you guys today. Not only is Chris Nano in the house. What up, Chris? What's up, brother? How you doing? Doing well. So we got Chris Nano in the house. We also got Austin F. I don't want to butcher your last name, Austin. I, I, it's, it's all good. Fugelstad, Fugelstad. <laughs> Fugelstad, yeah, that's pretty Fugel, good. Pretty Fugelstad. good stad. Okay, okay, not yeah, too bad. But yeah, <laughs> we got Austin here from the great Hallis Hall Brawl Podcast. They do a lot of great things over there. They're very prominent uh, in the Bears podcasting world, very present on Bears Twitter. And Austin uh, is a great guy. So he's going to be on today. Austin, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, appreciate the kind words. Thanks for having me. I know this has been a, a long time coming. So what better day to get this uh, to get this going than uh, New Year's Day, huh? Absolutely. New Year's Day. Yeah, this is something we've been trying to do for a while. And with this roller coaster of a bear season, we haven't been able to get it. But now it's 2020. We're here. We're doing it. And there is a lot to talk about. We're going to start today with that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy presser that went on yesterday, kind of going over all these things that happened during the season, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky, uh, whether it's injuries, coach firings, uh, which we will get to later. But let's start with the biggest thing from that press conference. And Austin, we'll start with you. This was the biggest thing. Mitchell Trubisky, they said, will be the starter in 2020, no doubt. Now, there are questions on whether there is a truth to this. Uh, We've seen Ryan Pace do this kind of thing before, say things that uh, really aren't true in these pressers. But this, you know, what do you make of it? Is it a true thing? And if you think it is true, what do you make of it? Mitch Trubisky will be the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears in 2020. Yeah, it's obviously after this season something that a lot of people don't want to hear, uh, especially this early on in the offseason. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to this. The amount of quarterbacks that will be available, I mean, they're not top tier, but they're going to be quarterbacks that should be able to challenge Trubisky. You know, he showed life at the end of the season, and I think after that Dallas game, I think he kind of had a sense that I, I it's going to be hard that to, to see this, you know, Pace and Nagy actually stray away from Mitch in 2020. Um, I think uh, they might bring in like some competition, definitely a better backup as Chase and Tyler Bray are both probably going to be gone. Um, You know, obviously lots of shakeups already in the offensive coordinators or offensive staff. So, you know, I think they're going to bring in a quarterback um, maybe to challenge Mitch. I'm not sure, but if Mitch is a starter in 2020, that leash is going to be short. I think it's going to be like a similar leash to Mike Glennon. I can't imagine them. Uh, having the leash as long as they did this year uh, going into next year. It's got to be like if he doesn't show in the first couple games, you know, there's going to be some changes. It's it's where, for me, I, I don't I don't know how much. I mean, in the, we've heard these pressers in the past. I don't know how much truth there is to these. Um, so, you know, you kind of take it with a grain of salt. But everyone was reporting Mitch is a starter in 2020. So, uh, you know, sure looks that way early on. Chris? Yeah, um, I'm kind of with Austin on this one. Um, I, I 
I kind of feel like I feel slightly stronger about it um, just because I I, com- I think he's completely bluffing, if I'm being honest. I just, I mean, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Mitch will have a chance to be the starting quarterback in 2020. But, um, you know, Pace just coming straight up, straight out and, and saying, saying that, you know, a couple of days after the season is over, I, I just, I'm not buying it. And it, if that's the case, then. I think that's a problem if, if he if he can already say that Mitch is the QB heading into next year, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I mean, you would have liked to maybe see him say, you know, we're going to evaluate everything. We're going to go through all of our options. We're going to exercise every single possibility. But again, you know, he came right out there and he he made his point clear. And, and you know, I get it, right? I mean, this is your second overall draft pick and you want to defend him. You want to be behind him and you want to turn out to be right uh, in the end. And you know, still part of me thinks that th- this whole thing could work out. You know, I, I still see it's a very slim chance. It's a very slim possibility. But I still see it as, look, Mitchell Trubisky is a guy who can lead this team to where they need to go. We've seen it happen. We saw them uh, do it last year. And I know this was a bad year, but I still think that it's there. Um, now, I think an important thing that Austin brought up was, look, you know, as far as the leash goes this year, the reason why the leash, you know, went on for so long and there were, is because there were the backup was not a viable option. Chase Daniel was never going to be uh, a real topic in a quarterback uh, controversy. There was never going to be um, any talk about that. So now we have to talk about who the Bears could bring in. And one name that I really like that I saw circulating around Twitter yesterday was Alex Smith, right? Alex Smith, former teammate uh, of um, or for a player under Matt Nagy back in Kansas City. He goes through the devastating injury in Washington. But his goal, according to a press conference the other day, was he wants to come back and play football. So what do you guys make of that? Alex Smith, a different backup. And do you think that that is a legit possibility that one of those veteran guys, as opposed to a rookie quarterback, comes in here and challenges Mitchell Trubisky in the offseason? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I, th- I think there's a better chance of a vet coming in than a rookie at this point. Yeah. I mean, they could take someone late, uh, or in UDFA, uh, after the draft, uh, there's just a, a limited amount of draft picks this year. So, uh, I actually am, uh, totally on board with Alex Smith. I mean, I tweeted something out earlier, it, it, you know, Mitch has had that comparison to Alex Smith. So, I mean, you know, why not just go out and get the actual right. Alex Smith himself? But, um, yeah, I mean, Alex Smith would be a great guy. You can have maybe behind Mitch for a couple games or, you know, see how he works in preseason. And, and that's someone who, I mean, talk about a game manager. That's someone who's going to be able to uh, move the ball consistently, especially in this offense. Uh, I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, I, honestly, if we're going to, if, if Mitch is for sure the starter, uh, Andy Dalton wouldn't be a bad backup. I know I've got caught some heat for that, but um, Andy Dalton is someone who could put up that 400-yard number, obviously, but <laughs> someone who can also put throw four picks. Um, I think with a better surrounding cast, uh, better protection for him, I think he'll be able to do well. It's just, you know, you, you have to just keep in mind, you got to bring in a guy who is not going to be crazy expensive like Teddy Bridgewater or, um, I mean, I know Jameis is probably going to stay with the Bucks, but he's going to get so much money. <clears throat> you know, you got to, you got to stay, you know, under 20. Alex Smith, I think is 16 million, um, next year which is a great price if you're able to do something like that so i mean that's kind of how i'm i'm totally on board with alex smith they're able to do that i would uh, i would love that pickup yeah i'm i'm totally on board with it as well um i think he can come in and, and get the job done and um you know that's all we've been asking from from mitch you know a, a lot of people have been saying you you don't have to be great you don't have to even um you know as bad as it sounds you don't even have to live up to that number two overall draft pick you just got to do the job 
um, put the ball in the, in the hands of your playmakers and, and, you know, let them go to work. So um, I think Alex Smith is fully capable of that. He's a vet. And, you know, like Austin brought up, he's going to probably be on the cheaper end. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for Alex Smith in, in Chicago. Yeah, and, and and another thing uh, that actually we had Jason Campbell on once. And something that resonates, or uh, a couple, you know, a couple months ago, something that resonated with me from that interview is, uh, you know, he said learning a playbook usually takes about three years, but this Mad Nagy playbook takes longer, uh, so three and a half, four years. So I actually wouldn't be surprised if Mitch comes out and does well next year. But the thing, if you bring in someone like Alex Smith, he knows that offense. And it'll cut back significant time of that new quarterback learning the system. So, uh, I, honestly, if Alex Smith is ready to play, he's probably my number one target uh, for some for the Bears to bring him in. Because that that time to learn the playbook, if you can bring in Alex Smith, already knows it'll it'll be huge. Exactly. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me. Is sure, could Alex Smith potentially be the starting quarterback for the Bears? Yes, but I think most people know that if you're bringing him in, you're bringing him in for that reason. You're bringing him in to help out Trubisky, help the development, because that's a that's a really interesting point you made. Is look, this is a this is a hard offense to learn. And Mitchell Trubisky coming out of college was not a guy who's going to be a plug-in and you know thrive from day one quarterback. That's just not who he was. He's a guy who needed a little bit of development. He needed a little bit more mental capacity to learn. And you know, we're still kind of seeing the effects of that. We're still kind of seeing him try to grow and try to develop and that's why I think I'm not too upset with giving him another chance after this season no but I'm willing to give him you know four three four games of next year to show him I mean we know what Mitchell Trubisky has right and I said that a little bit earlier and and the play calling to me needs to be a little bit better um he I mean again he needs help from the old line he needs help from the running game a lot of things didn't go his way this year it's not like everything else was hitting on their cylinders and it was Mitchell Trubisky not doing the right thing sure did Mitchell Trubisky have a good year no, but it was everything else going into it that caused it all to fall down. So I think, Chris, are you willing to give Trubisky one more chance next year, like three to four games to prove himself? You know, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't think we have much of a choice. I think he's mm-hmm. by def- by default, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of be- going to be in the mix regardless. So at this point, I mean, there's not really much we can do other than, you know, support him and just hope he does figure it out because, um, kind of like what Austin brought up earlier, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, he, he could very well be the quarterback next year. So um, it's nothing it's nothing out of the ordinary if, if you know, he, he would be the starter. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with it um, as long as there's some some QB competition and and ju- just, you know, just to have him, you know, looking over his shoulder, knowing that he has to play well or else he'll be gone. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an interesting storyline to keep an eye on, and it will be the number one topic going into the offseason. It will be the number one thing that people can't uh, let go of, and rightfully so, right? Your quarterback is the number one position on the team, and in order to have really a successful team, you have to have uh, a pretty successful quarterback. So we'll see what happens, but uh, another important thing from this press conference, well, not really from the press conference, but after the press conference, they really weren't any asked any questions about it, um, but they fired – Four assistant coaches, they have fired offensive coordinator uh, Mark Helfrich. They have fired offensive line coach Harry Heistan, tight ends coach Kevin Gilbride, and special teams assistant Brock Olivo. Now, look, Mark Helfrich, obviously the biggest of these four names because he is the offensive coordinator. And although he does not call the plays, there are a lot of functions that the Mm -hmm. offensive coordinator does and looks over and oversees. So this is a big move, in my opinion. This is huge. And I've said since week eight, Mark Helfrich is a root of these issues. He's not doing anything to help this offense that ranks near last in the league. So what do you guys, Austin, what do you make of these moves? Is this something that's important and something to make you say, okay, this could change the offense in 2020? 
<clears throat> well, I mean, a, a top name that I would like them to to consider. Uh, I haven't looked too into this. Uh, obviously, the firings yesterday, so I haven't looked into availability. But Pat Shermer is someone yeah. uh, you can really consider. Yeah. Obviously, turning someone like Evan Ingram uh, into, you know, he really developed him uh, over over you know his time there. And then obviously Saquon Barkley, you already have the natural talent there. But uh, he was able to scheme him open. Uh, obviously, the injuries this year kind of hindered Saquon's abilities. But, um, you know, from the success in the running game and at the tight end position in New York as, you know, probably the only highlights uh, of Pat Shermer's tenure there, um, I, I think, I mean, those are both needs that we need. So I think bringing someone like that over, if he doesn't get a head coaching vacancy, would be a, a pretty premier position. We, you just want to look for someone who – you know, we found out that Mark Helfrich was and the O-line coach were mainly um, uh, calling run plays and and doing the run schemes, which were supposedly different from what Matt Nagy was doing in the in um, <clears throat> last year. So, uh, you want to bring in someone who has experience in the run game and uh, also, you know, has has had good tight end success as well, because uh, we need both. And Pat Shermer kind of fits that mold. Yeah. So, I mean. Pat Shermer kind of seems like the no-brainer option here. Um, I, I would love Pat Shermer in Chicago. I think, um, you know, what he did with Case Keenum a couple years back in mm-hmm. Minnesota was was phenomenal. Yeah, um, that was amazing. Yeah, and I mean, just just off that alone, I, I would give me confidence and kind of like what you brought up, uh, Austin, about you know just the development of some of those players that you know just that a lot of people believed had potential and and you know he, he got the best out of them. So. Um, I think Pat Shermer would, would be a phenomenal option in Chicago as well. And, hey, say what you want about Daniel Jones, but, I'm, my God, that guy had a phenomenal year for being a rookie and for being bashed on as much as he was, and Pat Shermer turned that guy into somewhat of a product. So, yeah. you know, that's important to see is, okay, you talked about Case Keenum back with the Vikings, turned that offense into, I think, like 10th best in the league that year. They were they were firing at all cylinders, and now all of a sudden you turn in the guy who everyone thought was going to be one of the biggest busts in NFL history uh, or one of the you know earliest picks that would be a bust in Daniel Jones at that sixth pick, and you turn him into – nearly the offensive rookie of the year the way that he played uh for a lot of that year so that that's really important to look at is his coach development but uh or his quarterback development but a name that really just kind of shocking is Harry Heastan because you know a few years ago when this guy was hired um you know, we were all saying, okay, th- this is huge, right? I mean, th- this is going to be awesome. You're talking about this guy can mentor Alex Bars. You know, he knows what he's doing with Notre Dame. This this is a great thing. And now, you know, a year, two years later, he's out. And j- it just all fell down. Offensive line was really one of the worst units in the league. So what do you think went wrong there? I mean, it's it's really just quite shocking how this offensive line has regressed, how all these players, even Charles Leno, after what we saw against Minnesota, a former pro bowler, has regressed as well. Um, and and it's really frustrating to see. So Harry Heastand, he's out as well. What do you guys make of that? And, and you know, what is the plan for this offensive line going forward in the offseason? Yeah, well, I was actually going to ask you guys if, if you felt any of these fires were like scapegoats because mm. I feel like this one is a, <clears throat> a decent example of a, a potential scapegoat firing. Um, yeah, yeah, the O-line had, you know, didn't do great, but they, they did turn it around. I mean, they were horrible in the beginning of the year, like awful, 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 but they turned it around a little bit, um, and, and was trending in the right direction. And then, you know, uh, Bobby Macy got hurt, uh, Coward was playing horrible. So they had to put in Ted Larson. I don't know why they didn't give Alex yes. Barza an opportunity. I have no idea, uh, the reasoning behind that, but, um, 
you know, I, I really hope he better be on the 53-man roster next year because that guy turned down a, a contract to the Patriots and to stay on the practice squad in the Bears. So he, you know, that's someone who make sure that he's on the roster next year. But yeah, this might be a scapegoat uh, firing, in my opinion, just something they had to do because uh, the offensive line was such a, you know, somewhat of a, of a big issue uh, this year. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's this one's this one's tough for me because, uh, you know, he came in and he was supposedly the, the new messiah uh, for our <laughs> offensive line. And now he's gone. So I, I don't I don't really know what to make of it. But, yeah. Look, so I I think I'll get a lot of backlash for what I'm about to say. But um, I, I'm 100 percent with Austin um, as in terms of the scapegoat thing. I think um this was almost like a warning shot shot in Matt Nagy's direction. Like, look, if you don't fix this, I mean, you're next. I think that's exactly what this was. Um, you know, cleaning house, the people right cleaning house of the people right under Matt Nagy. So um, I, I think this is just a warning shot to him kind of like, all right, man, I mean, we're going to get you um, a new staff and, and, you know, work from there. So um, I, I definitely think you can, you can make the scapegoat argument with a couple of these firings, but, um, it was just something that needed to be done, in my opinion. So um, not not too much you can complain about, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't go forward with those guys after the performance that they put on this year. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, when that happens, you fire people. That, that That's exactly what you do. And and if there's one thing, <clears throat> really, out of all the things to be critical about with Matt Nagy, if there's one thing that really looking back in the year that I am the most critical about is the fact that he did not give some of those rookies any chances. I mean, you talk about Alex Bars, which is a huge one. I mean, how many times did we say, all right, this is the week Alex Bars is going to get his shot? After all the injuries, I mean, to me, there was really no reason not to. And now there may be something like development that we don't know that's going on in the background, uh, that he's maybe just not ready to play at the NFL level. But another guy, Riley Ridley, I mean, if you guys saw, he didn't have a breakout day against the Minnesota Vikings. But if you saw what he did, you can't tell me that he would not have been an impact player throughout the year uh, for that team if he was out there. And again, it's one of those things where, you know, maybe he just wasn't ready. The development just wasn't there. He wasn't ready to play at the NFL level. But to me, that is one thing that I was very critical about. You know, even Javon Wims, you could bring up as well. Uh, what do you guys make of that? Just the fact that, look, he, Matt Nagy did not give his rookie chances. And you see other great teams in the NFL. Take the Steelers, for example. Steelers lose all these guys. And they somehow still end up with a pretty good record. They got rookies from the sixth round, uh, you know, breaking out, performing at great levels. And it, it happens all around the league. So what do you guys make of that? Is that something you are critical about with Matt Nagy? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's just, it's tough. You, you look at Riley Ridley play and you can honestly make a case that he could be, you know, wide with, with Taylor Gabriel, he could have been, he could have been wide receiver three. I think Javon Wims, uh, kind of struggled at the end of the year. And I think Riley really could have, um, you know, taken that mold if he got the ball a little bit more. He looks like a special player. I think, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, and I think it's going to be next year, you know, you could definitely see Robinson one, uh, Gabriel or Miller two and, and, uh, Riley Ridley at that three spot. So we'll have to see, um, Alex bars. I don't know. That baffles me. I don't know why he wasn't even given a chance to come in the game to play as bad as the O-line was playing. It just surprised me. Um, yeah, I would have liked to see them. I mean, obviously I would have liked to see Kareth White stay on the team, um, but that was not, that didn't happen, and we saw what he did in, in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I, I think uh, this team has a lot of – I don't know if it's, like, soul-searching, but this team has a lot of, like, reflection to do in terms of what decisions they're making with their young players, and, and they should figure that out quick. Yeah, um, you know, 
I, I can only speak for for our podcast, um, but you know we've been we've been talking about it pretty much all year um, about how Nagy just I mean he doesn't play the younger guys specifically rookies. Um, it, it's just it's such a weird thing. I don't know if he just tries to you know um, get their feet wet in a way, just you know help them develop uh, kind of as like a long term project or what the deal is, but um, just kind of the with Javon Wims last year, you know I he. Every time he came in, every time he had a shot uh, on the field, he he would, you know, make the most of his opportunity. And then it would kind of be like, all right, it's back to the bench. So it's like, I mean, if he wasn't ready, I, I don't think he would have been making those plays. But, you know, who who knows what, what the deal is with that. But, yeah, that's something that I, I would definitely like to see get fixed. Um, hopefully it can start this year with, with whoever we bring in and uh, with whoever we bring in um, from the draft. I mean, it's one of those things where you're struggling and you're one of the worst offenses in football. You know, take all the help that you can get. You know what I mean? Like, why? You know, give it a try. Why not? Um, but I have a question for you guys. This is this is kind of an interesting one. You got Javon Wims. You got Riley Ridley. Who is the more impactful player for the next three years? Given they're both on the roster for the next three years for the Chicago Bears, are you going with Riley Ridley or Javon Wims? They both showed a few things, but more impactful for the next three. What do you got? Uh, if I don't know, it's tough because you know we're uh, we're a very Jav- pro Javon Wims podcast. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I don't know. Riley really shows so much potential, you know. And, and Javon Wims could be that guy over the next three years. It's going to be for me. It's going to be tough because I think when Javon Wims, unless Javon Wims is some crazy superstar, I think when Javon Wims' contract is up, uh, I think Riley Ridley will take that spot if he didn't already. So. Over the next three years, uh, in ter- just in terms of contract and what's probably smart for the team, unless something crazy happens, probably Riley Ridley. But, um, you know, I think Javon, Javon Wims has that potential to be like a, um, <clears throat> like a number two opposite of Allen Robinson uh, out wide on the other side. So uh, it just depends. Uh, you know, he'll put in work this offseason and, and he'll be ready to go. It just depends on, uh, you know, if he, if he gets the targets and the opportunities to, to make plays. Yeah, so, um, you know, th- this is also really, really tough for me as well. Really good question. I, I you know, I, I want to say Riley Ridley, but, you know, we, we just haven't seen too much of him. And I fully believe he's going to be a good player. Do not get me wrong. But um, I think it's just because we've seen Javon Wims slightly more. Um, and I, I'm a huge Javon Wims fan. I know Kevin knows it. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, I, I they could... Whoever comes out on top to, to answer this question, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think both guys have an, an enormous amount of potential. Um, but if I had to pick right now, I think I would go with Javon Wims. I, I just love, you know, I, I know a lot of people were not happy with the way he ended the season. But, um, I mean, if, if you want to, you know, really dig deep into things, I think you can point out flaws from just about any player on this team um, for just going off based off this year. So, um, to answer the question, Javon Wims, I, I just I like his whole body of work. I just like what he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean the one thing we do know is they undoubtedly both have potential, right? And we they undoubtedly we both know that 
they are going forward is going to be impact players, whether it's both of them, whether it's one of them. They are going to be important pieces to this offense going forward because, you know, this is interesting. Anthony Miller, we found out yesterday, is going to have surgery on that shoulder. And this is, I don't know, it's the second time or something. I mean, this is that shoulder that's been lingering really ever since his rookie season. He played with the harness and then he got rid of it. And and it's, I don't know, it does this worry you guys, the fact that he's getting surgery again? Will it set him back in training camp in the offseason? What do you guys make of that? Is that worrisome for Anthony Miller? Uh, yeah, I think it's extremely worrisome. Uh, I think this is going to be something that we're going to have to monitor moving forward. Um, it, it just seems like that shoulder is uh, extremely tender. So uh, we're, you know, it's worrisome. I mean, as he's got, he's going to, he's a, he turned it on at the end of the year. He's a monster. So um, he's vital to this team. But, you know, the, the big question is, can he stay healthy and can he keep that shoulder healthy? So, yeah, I think surgery would help long term. Uh, and then obviously the goal that Pay said in the presser yesterday, the goal for him to come back is, is training camp. So, you know, hopefully he'll be ready to go and, and uh, we'll see some more stability in that shoulder. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's worrisome as well. Um, you know, any any injury that continues to linger is never a good sign. Um, and I know Bears fans are not, you know, hearing about a, a wide receiver that's constantly injured. I, I know Bears fans aren't going to be too thrilled with that. But, um, you know, I, I, I think Anthony Miller ultimately will be back by training camp. That sounds about right. Um, uh, if not then, by by preseason, hopefully. So, um, you know, it, it, it is worrisome. I'm, I'm not going to make any assumptions just yet. Uh, we'll see what happens after the surgery. Yeah, we can only hope for the best for Anthony Miller. Prayers up to that man. And now one more really question before we move on to this last thing from the presser is, you know, we are talking about wide receivers here. We're talking about Anthony Miller, you know, possibly being injured. Do you think the Bears make one big-time transaction for a wide receiver in free agency or in the draft? Do you think they just kind of stay with this core of Robinson, Miller, uh, Wims, and Ridley going forward? Or do you think they should go out there and maybe get a bigger body, a taller guy who can kind of be more of a safety blanket for Mitch? Um, or do you think they stay with this core? What do you think? Uh, <clears throat> I think they're staying with the core that they have. Uh, they have too many needs right now to go get a wide receiver somewhere else. I think their big transaction will come in uh, – it's not a quarterback. I think it'll come at tight end. Yep. Uh, it's a loaded free agent draft. So, you know, maybe they can get one of those lower tier, guy, lower tier guys like an Eric Ebron or something like that. Um, maybe maybe go for Hunter Henry. I don't really know. But I think their big transaction will be, if not the quarterback position, the tight end position. Um, but I think they stay pat with wide receivers. Maybe bring in a, um, like a, a low end a free agent like a Marvin Hall from last year. So, um, we'll we'll have to uh, see what happens. It would have been nice if Emmanuel Hall stayed healthy. I think he would have been uh, uh, pretty pretty good on this team. But yeah, for I mean they'll definitely be bringing in some guys, obviously for training camp and such. So, um, but I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think they're they're going to stick with this core. I just think there's too many holes elsewhere um, for them to make a big splash or wide receiver. I could see uh, maybe you know a bigger type splash at the tight end position, obviously, but. Um, as far as far as wide receivers go, um, maybe, you know, kind of like what Austin said, maybe another just another wide receiver three type player uh, just to, you know, have as a, as a body and, and as insurance. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to they're going to roll with this with this current core. 
Well, yeah, because I, I mean, we're all pretty confident that Taylor Gabriel is not going to return in 2020, right? I mean, are, are yeah. we are we pretty set on that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in that case, look, this is you know whether you like it or not, Matt Nagy wants to run the West Coast Matt Nagy offense, right? And, and no matter what you say about it, you need speed players in that type of offense. And if he really wants to continue to run it that way, which I think he shouldn't, you need a speed player. You need a guy who can blow the top off of that defense. And and Taylor Gabriel was that guy. So now, if you lose Taylor Gabriel, you really don't have anybody who. Who's blazing fast uh, on that offense? I mean, you guys got guys who are, you know, Tariq Cohen. He's he's fast, but he's not a guy who's going down 50 yards on the field. So they definitely have to look at a guy uh, who who can do, go down the field and blow the top off of defense and, and really open things up. So I think they'll get a guy like that. Is really the consensus is you know they'll they'll really just find their Taylor Gabriel uh, replacement. But um, Austin mentioned the tight end position and he said that's going to be one of the biggest needs of the team. It's absolutely true and and apparently. Uh, apparently Ryan Pace has not given up uh, on our good friend uh, Adam Shaheen. Uh, he said about Adam Shaheen that he has liked what he has seen when he has played. Um, I don't know what you guys make of this, but this is, you know, to me, you want to talk about bluffing. You want to talk about something that's not true. I don't think Adam Shaheen's going to be back with the Bears. I think this was uh, Ryan Pace just, I, I mean, I don't know what he was doing saying that because it's really just not true uh, in the first place, and, and everyone kind of knows that. So, you know, what do you guys make of that quote from from Ryan Pace about Adam Shaheen? And do you, do you really, really believe he's going to be back with the Bears in 2020? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of a worrisome comment if you really, you know, if, if he's dead serious, <laughs> it's really worrisome in his yeah. in his evaluation um, abilities. But, you know, he said on the presser, he's he's able to take back, he's able to take the emotion away and, obvi- and really evaluate players. And if he's actually doing that, I, I can't imagine that he really meant most of what he said in the presser yesterday, especially about Adam Shaheen. Uh, he's, he is under contract uh, for another year, so he I guess he, he's going to at least come into training camp unless they let him go, um, you know, at that June 1st thing like they did with Cody Parkey and, and bite some of his – or eat some of his contract. But, um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do because um, Horstead and Holtz worked way better than uh, any tight ends we've had in the recent – well, I mean, Trey Burton did well last year, but – uh, they were the best duo this year. You know, two two years ago in 2018, it was Burton, and and this year it was Holtz and Horstead. They did pretty well, um, and they have Broniker this year as well. So, I, I I don't know. I can't imagine them like cutting Holtz and Horstead after like being pretty productive, and and then keeping Adam Shaheen. So, um, I really can't imagine that. And I'm sure they're going to start making some moves to clear up some cap space and go get someone big and free agency at the tight end position. This this comment was the turning point uh, for me to where I started thinking like, all right, this dude is definitely bluffing because there there's absolutely no way he can mean that. And, you know, I know a lot of people um, have soured on Ryan Pace after this year. And, you know, it, it's it's fully deserved, in my opinion. I'm still on the Ryan Pace train. I still think he can turn it around. But. Um, you know, one thing about Ryan Pace, at least in my opinion, from what I've seen is I, I just don't believe he's an idiot. I don't believe he's stupid. And what he said was came off very idiot-like. 
And, um, you know, that that's not what as a GM after the season you've had um, after, you know, everything we've seen from Adam Shaheen, that's not really something you say because um, everyone knows it's not true. I mean, a, a, every Bears fan knows uh, what he said about Adam Shaheen was not true. So um, I think it's a total bluff. Um, and I'm just I'm going to ride with that because I, I don't want to believe he meant it. Yeah, let, let's let's really just hope not. And and again, you know, you talk about Eric Ebron, some of these other guys. If you want to bring in one of those guys, there's just no space for Adam Shaheen uh, in that room. So I think I'm agreeing with you, Chris, and with Austin. I, don't, I really don't think he meant it. Uh, it's definitely a bluff. But uh, one more thing I want to talk about before I move on is is the possibility of the Chicago Bears bringing in a fullback. Now, we've seen the Chiefs have success with the fullback with Anthony Sherman. You saw the best offenses in the league this year uh, with the Ravens and the Fort Niners have great success success with fullbacks and it's a, it was a dying thing in the NFL it was a dying thing to have a fullback on your roster but it seems like you know if you want to run out of the I formation you want to have a good running game why not have a fullback in there and it takes up a roster spot but hey it's successful and it works for a lot of teams so uh just kind of a random question but throwing it out there is it the possibility that the Chicago Bears go out and get a fullback in the offseason kind of make that a part of their offense to help out the running game help out blocking and be an asset for the team do you see that as a possibility in this offense uh personally I don't know if they go get a fullback I mean I know what you mean Kyle like Kyle Usechek and, and guys yeah. like that are, are killing it in the league right now but you know if you take um, it, I think if they do go fullback, you take Ryan Nall and you convert him to fullback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if they go out and get one um, per se. You can definitely convert someone into a fullback. Um, so it's it just, uh, I mean, they could, they could for sure. And especially, you know, with all these teams starting to do it again, they could. But um, I don't know. I think, I, I in my opinion, if they were to go fullback, I think they convert Ryan Nall. That's kind of where I would be at. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I think you could see a fullback implemented into the offense, but I just can't see them, you know, spending big bucks on one. And although fullbacks would be relatively cheap, I just, you know, it's just there's just there's just too many holes in my opinion that that need to be filled. So yeah, I can't see that. Oh yeah, they certainly would not spend big bucks. They'd probably get like a UDFA or or, or some guy who's cost you know a million or two million dollars for for two years or something like that. Um, but I you know I thought that was interesting because it's no coincidence that you know really for the past two three years the best offenses in football uh, have carried that. Uh, fullback on their roster so it's something to keep an eye on if if the Bears want to try to do something to improve that run game and 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 really start running out of the eye formation like I think they should uh, be doing more often but let's move on here to a quote from Kevin Pierre-Louis our breakout linebacker who really just had an incredible year had a great game against Minnesota Vikings with that interception uh, flying all over the field and and we can discuss later if we want about whether he is going to return to the team in 2020 but when talking to reporters he said this quote Quote, I've been on a couple teams and I'm able to realize what's real and what's not. And they have something that's real here. Whoever is going to be here is going to be a part of something special. Now, do you guys see this as an important quote that really says something true about the locker room and what they have built at Hallis Hall? Or is it just kind of one of those things that's, you know, you say it to lift the hopes of the team? What do you guys make of that quote? Because I thought it was really interesting. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's it's. I mean, I know a lot of these guys are, I mean, it's a, it's a tight knit locker room. So I'm thinking maybe it was just something kind of boost, uh, you know, kind of boost morale. Maybe I'm not, you know, I'm not too sure, but I mean, it is an interesting quote to kind of think about and, and, you know, what, what, you know, does it mean? But for me, it's kind of, I don't know, maybe just boost morale. I'm not sure, you know, how, uh, 
<clears throat> how in depth you know you can get into that, but it's it's I don't know something to think about for sure. And and you know hopefully these guys come ready to play next year because you know the hype around them last year obviously killed the season, but it made it so much worse. But I mean there's going to be a ton of hype, especially if they bring in a big name tight end or quarterback. There's going to be even more hype. So hopefully they're ready to go come next season. I think um, you know I think this quote speaks volume. I I think you know we've seen it for the last two years this this team is just it just feels different and you know although they didn't really have a good year this year it's just there there's a there's a culture and there's a bond that you can kind of see uh even as as fans so you know i think this this does speak volume i think um you know it just shows that bond that these guys have i mean these guys go to war with each other they're they're brothers so um you know i i really like that quote and and i think it, it does mean something Absolutely. Let's hope it does. I mean, I think the one thing that we all can agree on is the fact that through all of this, through all of the mess that was the 2019 Chicago Bears season, I think that culture in that in that locker room still holds. I still think there is that great camaraderie between the two men. I still think that if there's one strength of Matt Nagy's coaching abilities, it's the fact that he can turn this team into brothers and have a great culture. And it's something that we talk about all in the offseason. You talk about it with Club Dub. You talk about it all the time. And, you know, that that's the one thing where it's like if Matt Nagy were to give up play calling, it, he doesn't lose his value as a head coach because that to me is where most of his value comes is the fact that he can turn locker rooms into that kind of you know personality. And to me, that's one of the most important things for not just a football team, but any sports team uh, is how you know you look at the 2016 Chicago Cubs, right? That's really the prime example of that is how uh, the camaraderie works, how do they work together as a team uh, and how they are in the locker room. So if there's one strength of Matt Nagy, that's it. And Kevin Pierre-Louis saying that is basically an affirmation of that uh, for me. But let's move on. We're going to do a bit of a season recap now that it is officially 2020. Again, we're recording this on New Year's Day. We're going to take a little bit of a look back at 2019 at some of our favorite or worst things of the 2019 season. We'll start here. Austin, what was your best moment of the year for the Chicago Bears in 2019? Hey, there weren't a lot of them, but there were sure some of them. Yeah, I think for me, it's got to be best. I mean... For me, I think it's got to be the Cowboys game. The Broncos, yeah. the Eddie Pinheiro kick was is close because that was freaking awesome. But uh, I think it was that Cowboys game. I uh, I was with uh, my co-host on the House Hall Brawl, uh, Blake. We went to – he's got season tickets, so we had really awesome seats and just got to witness a really awesome – one of Mitch's best games, in my opinion, his best game of his career. Um, and, and he really got to see uh, them dismantle the Cowboys and cow- how quick Cowboys fans turned on them. So um, – at the game, it was pretty funny, but uh, yeah, it was uh, that, that was I think that was my highlight of the 2019 season. If I had to say, I think I would go with that week four uh, win against the Vikings at home. I think it was it was the one win this year where it felt like the team of last year was playing, and uh, just with that dominant defense, um, you know, we we obviously scored only 16 points, but. Um, you know, only giving up six to, you know, the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, looking back at it now um, with the season they've had, it it, it it was a very good win. So uh, week four against the Vikings was uh, it resembled um, a little bit of last year. So uh, that, that win was uh, was pretty huge. Yeah, I mean, that, that game was really one of few games <clears throat> that resembled that Chicago Bears even from last year. And again, I'm not saying they're bad defense. They really, I mean, people really kind of underestimated, you know, the impact of all those injuries uh, on that defense. It was it was 
actually a, a huge impact, but uh, I was going to go with the Dallas game uh, as well. Just, you know, everything went right in that game, and at the time, it brought them back into the playoff picture, and, and it was all fun and games uh, at that point of the year, so uh, that, that was a good time to see Mitch Trubisky perform like that on national television when really everybody thought he couldn't against a pretty good uh, top 10 Dallas defense. Let's go now to uh, the somber part of it, the worst moment of the year uh, of 2019. What was the worst part of the 2019 Chicago Bears for you, Austin? Uh, well, I was at both the Saints and the Chiefs game. Um, so both the worst losses of the year. I got to go to the Saints game because I honestly heavily believe that the Saints are going to come in here and the Bears are going to have a really good chance of beating them. And I was just so wrong. I mean, Michael Thomas, Latavius Murray, even Alvin Kamara was out and Latavius Murray carved up the Bears. Um, that was kind of kind of when I that's actually at halftime, I remember that's when I was like, all right, Trubisky is, like, not the guy. That's when I fell off the bandwagon for Trubisky. I was like, uh, I can't, like, you know, I can't defend this guy anymore for the way he's playing. And um, that was that was a tough one because that was kind of when I was like, all right, this season, like, might go pretty south pretty quick. So uh, it's got to be that Saints game for sure. For me, it was, I, it was a game right after that. It was the Chargers game. That, equally as bad, yeah. That was bad. Yeah, um, that I think that's where I started thinking, all right, this team is not what I thought they would be coming into the year. Um, because we had so many chances to win that Chargers game. Um, and, you know, especially after taking that beating to, to New Orleans and then losing the way that the Bears did against the Chargers, it was just like, man, this may not be our year. And it kind of that that question started getting raised in my head. So I think that's kind of where that, that switch flipped off for me. So uh, I'm going to have to go with that Chargers game. Yeah, those are both good ones. I'm going with the Rams game uh, and, and specifically the quarterback switch at the end of that Rams game on Sunday Night Football. I mean, just that that to me was just the end of it all. I mean, after that game, we came on the podcast. I'm sure you guys did Austin as well the next uh, the next morning saying, you know, that's it for the 2019 Chicago Bears. I think it was really at that moment that you knew that this team, you you know, they had a chance there on Sunday Night Football to go into L.A., a team that you've dismantled in the past just a year ago, and, and tear them down and, and put yourself right back into the conversation with plenty of uh, of time left in the season. And, and they faltered it again. They came off flat, uh, as they usually did in 2019. And, and in that late QB switch uh, with Mitch Trubisky and Chase Dan, it was just it was an absolute mess. Everyone was misinterpreting it, saying different things, and the whole hip uh, injury, uh, if you want to call it that, was, was a topic of conversation for a long time. So, you know, it's kind of depressing that we have a lot of things to choose from as worst moments of the year, but it's just been that kind of year for the 2019 Chicago Bears. But let's go back to more positive things. Who is your breakout player from 2019? I mean, there are a few of them, but Austin, who are you going with for your breakout player? Uh, uh, for me, it's between two players, but uh, I would probably have to go, honestly, I'd probably have to go Nick Kwiatkowski. Um, there's a few you can choose from, but Nick Kwiatkowski, I mean, after that injury to, um, you know, Roquan was out a little bit and then Danny T going down, Kaywit just was super impressive. And, and from the past, obviously he hasn't shown that he can really be that guy, but after this season, you're kind of like, wow, this guy is, uh, he, he can be a premier linebacker and, um, you know, he's, he's, he played really well and that's my, that's kind of my breakout player. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with that. I think, um, this one is kind of a no brainer question. Uh, it's a, kind of a no brainer answer. Uh, I think it has to be Nick Kwiatkowski he filled in tremendously. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I, I don't think words do justice for, you know, type of performance he had this year. He was all over the place, making big plays. 
making plays in, in the most crucial moments. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, enough can't be said about, about how well Kwiatkowski played this year. Absolutely. And, and it really raises the question now is is who returns in 2020? Is it Nick Kwiatkowski? Is it Dan Trevathan? Uh, is it Kevin Pierre-Louis? Is it two of the three? Uh, is it one of the three? Or is it three of the three? Uh, highly unlikely that it's three of the three that, that come back. But I saw a thing on Twitter that was actually really funny. It was, you know, what if you know, Nick Kwiatkowski is actually the one who's going for more money than Dan Trevathan. And I really don't see that as an outrageous possibility, considering the age, considering the way Nick Kwiatkowski played. It's possible that he could be the one who's getting more money in free agency and, and is harder to keep on the roster than Dan Trevathan. It's, it's just kind of something that's like, wow, you know, that that's really just how well he played. And that's why he was he was your guys' breakout player for the year. So, yeah, I'll go with Nick Kwiatkowski as well. He's, re- he's really the clear answer uh, for that in 2019. Who is your rising star? So somebody who showed a little something and, and it makes you think, okay, this guy is going to be a, a pro bowler, a guy who's going to have a huge impact on the team in the future. Uh, for I think for me it's going to be Anthony Miller. I think he's just like you showed it at the end of the season. I think he's going to break out in 2017, regardless of how Trubisky plays or you know that offense is. I think he'll be able to put up some big numbers and uh, do it all season long instead of just – uh, at the end of the season, like he did this year. Um, so for me, it's got to be Anthony Miller. But I mean, again, there's a lot of people you can choose from. Yeah, Anthony Miller right here is obviously a great answer. Um, for me, I'm going to go with someone we haven't talked about too much on this podcast all year, basically. Um, I'm going to go with Kevin Tolliver. I, I mm. Look, I was very skeptical, skeptical on him, uh, especially when Prince was out in, in that Dallas game. Um, and, you know, everybody was just like, all right, well, I mean, Prince hasn't been playing well, so let's see what Tolliver's got. And I think Tolliver, every time his number's been called, he stepped up this year. Um, I could see him even maybe being a starter next year. Uh, that, that's how that's how I'm impressed I was, uh, at least, of, of, you know, his performances. So, uh, for me, rising star, uh, Kevin Tolliver. Yeah, I mean, that that's the LSU man. And you know what they say about LSU? They call it DBU, uh, or some people call it DBU. So, hey, he's coming from a good place, and he showed some good things. I mean, again, he's, he's an undrafted free agent, so uh, was an undrafted free agent. So he's a guy who's going to need a little bit of development as well. But he stepped in uh, great, and I thought, you know, I'd almost at the end of the year say I'd rather had, had – Kevin Tyler in there uh, as opposed to Prince Mukamura with all the injuries that he had. So that's a great pick. And I'm going to go with Dave Montgomery. And although the numbers, you know, were not standing, he was the second rookie rusher uh, in the NFL. And every time you saw this man at least get a chance to run through a hole, I mean, it's just unbelievable how many extra yards this guy gets, how, uh, you know, the yards after contact, um, the breaking the tackles, the fact that he just keeps moving forward and getting valuable yards uh, first, second, third down. It's huge. So I think we could all tell that although again the numbers weren't there and the running game really struggled you could definitely tell that Dave Montgomery is going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with in the future for teams coming into Chicago I mean he is just a, an absolute bruiser and I think we're all just extremely excited to see how this guy's going to grow um, with a, a restructured offensive line and with kind of a new identity uh, in, in that running game and him being you know the lead back going forward so I'll go with Dave Montgomery and uh, now let's go to the final one your team MVP I have a feeling I know who you guys are going to pick for this one, but we'll see. Who you got for team MVP, the best player on the team in 2019? Uh, Team MVP. I mean, this one, you don't have many to choose from. Uh, I'll – 
Man, I'll probably have to go. I, I have to go with Allen Robinson. I'm kind of between Eddie Jackson too, but I have to go Allen Robinson just because he put up some great numbers. Uh, first bear to go over a thousand yards since 2014, I think, when Alshon Jeffrey did it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I gotta go Allen Robinson. But there's a, uh, you know, there aren't many to pick from, but there are a few. I'm going Allen Robinson as well. You know, he he's turned into that true number one. Uh, wide receiver not that there was any doubt that that you know he would be but um you know a lot of people were skeptical after his injury after last year you know he was just starting to get back up to speed but um this is the Allen robinson that that we paid big bucks to and and now you see why so Allen robinson i think i think this just is just an obvious choice yeah, Pro Bowl snub. I mean, those are three words right there that we can all agree on and and did you see him talking trash to that cornerback from uh, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah last week. That. that was a and, joke. And then the yeah. Minnesota guy comes out on Instagram and posts a picture of Allen Robinson on the ground and is like, you know, see what happens when, when you say stuff to me or something crazy like that. I'm like, dude, you're a second, third stringer going up against what I think is a the top 10, top 15 wide receiver in the league. That was just, and, and I thought that, uh, fits, uh, or the personal, or what was, uh, the personal foul call on Allen Robinson was just ridiculous. I mean, he was just guys kind of, you know, talking to each other, having some fun. But, yeah, Allen Robinson, I think, undoubtedly uh, the team MVP. And, and let, let's hope he wins Walter Payton Man of the Year because you want to talk about awards, that's the highest honor there is in the National Football League, what you do in the community, what you do uh, outside of the football field. So, uh, you know, hashtag Walter Payton Man of the Year Allen Robinson. I think that sends him uh, some votes if you tweet that out. So everybody listening, make sure you do that. Uh, let's move on here. So we talked about Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and the fact that, look, this is going to be a heavy offseason. There's a lot to fix. There's a lot to consider, and there's a lot to evaluate to turn this team back into a playoff and hopefully what we think a Super Bowl contender in 2020 because really the talent, they have the talent to be that. I think that is true. I think you guys can agree with that, that they have the talent to be a Super Bowl contender. They just have to hit on their potential and fix a few spots. So really the question here, it's just a blatant question, is do you have trust in Ryan Pace and Manag to do the right things? Because we've seen uh, you know, we've seen it from Ryan Pace. We've seen him do successful things in free agency, getting Allen Robinson. We've seen him have great success in later rounds of the draft. We've seen him do good trades, uh, whether that's Khalil Mack or some others. So, um, again, blatant question. Do you have trust in Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, that front office, to turn this thing around and return this Bears team uh, to the playoffs in 2020? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't really we don't really have a choice, but I absolutely believe in them. I think they're going to be able to uh... – I think they'll be able to turn it around, turn it around. Uh, you know, I have, I've trust in pace and, and I do have trust in Nagy that, um, you know, if pace gives him the right guys, the right pieces, everybody's developed properly. I think now you'd be able to, um, to do some things with them. So I absolutely have, you know, trust in, in, in those guys in the front office to do their job and to fix this team. They know they have to fix a lot of stuff. And obviously with the firings yesterday, there's a lot of stuff or they understand that and they're willing to make changes. So I, I, uh, I trust them to go forward and then, uh, you know, bring a, a winning, you know, a winning team, hopefully for a couple of years to this, uh, to the city. Yeah, I, you know, I have, I have full trust in them as well. I think, um, you know, I definitely think this is a crucial off season for them. Uh, it's just one of those off seasons where they, they, it's more so pace, but you know, it's just one of those off seasons where he can't miss on, on, on whatever he does. Uh, and that goes for, you know, free agents that goes for drafts uh, for the draft as well. Um, and, you know, just giving Nagy the, the pieces that he wants. And then, you know, if it doesn't work out, then, then you know, there are other questions that, that will need to be raised. But, um, you know, I, I think 
I do trust Pace. I think I do trust Nagy. I just think they're um, going to be on a shorter leash now. And, you know, I, I think this is – I think this this may be their last straw if they're not able to turn things around. I think it has to be the last straw. I mean, I, I really think it does because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, how many more chances can we give you? I mean, you, you've missed some things, you've hit on things, but this is your last, you know, you well, maybe not necessarily for Nagy, but I think for Pace, this is your last chance to, um, you know, to get things right and to hit on the, these things. And, and really, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are kind of, you know, they, they go as, you know, one. So I think if one goes, the other would go. That's, again, in the far future. But, you know, they, they have a chance to do some things. And the reason why I asked you this question is because there are a lot of people, trust me. I mean, I know Austin and Chris, you guys are extremely present on Twitter. And you could attest to the fact that there are a ton of people who have zero trust in, in these guys to turn around. I mean, you got people who absolutely hate Ryan Pace. I mean, there are people destroying this man after what he said about Adam Sheen yesterday. I mean, there are people on Twitter who just wanted this man fired after that press conference and obviously there are the people who want Matt Nagy uh, fired for all these things that happened so you know th- there are people out there who have zero trust but I'm, I'm glad you guys think that you know they have the ability to turn around because you know almost Ryan Pace to me is very much like Mitchell Trubisky uh, in the sense that Ryan Pace's GM career is similar to the way Mitchell Trubisky has played quarterback in the sense that look he's done some really great things but he's also done some really poor things and in the end you don't really have a full consensus on it uh, and you really don't have a full opinion opinion on it so again this is it's it's the prove it year you it really is 2020 is essentially the prove it year and, and and me myself and both of you guys you know we have trust in the fact uh that they can turn around and do the right things to bring this team back to the playoffs so again it is new year's eve everyone or it is new year's day new year's eve was yesterday and everyone's got their new year's resolutions so what are your guys's bears new year's resolutions for 2020 austin we'll start with you what do you got uh New Year's resolution, I would say <clears throat> my first one would be for um, would be for Mitch to man, I don't know, and get better <laughs> at and evaluate. Actually, pay, I don't know what did Nagy say they want to get him to get better at evaluating the field or something like that. That's number one. He's got to if he's going to start, he's got to get better at at you know whatever he has to do to improve his his game. Um, number two would probably be. Uh, some better O-line play, so go get someone in free agency or draft someone or bring up Alex Bars and, and do that. Um, my third, I'll probably do four. So my third would be the running game. Uh, get David Montgomery some more opportunities. Uh, better, whether that's better scheme, better, better schemes on the O-line for blocking purposes, stretch plays, uh, using the I formation more, whatever works. Get him the ball. Uh, make next year uh, make this offense revolve around David Montgomery. I think they'll win football games if they do that. Um, and then <clears throat> uh, my last one would probably just be um, score in the first quarter like three times next year. I think that would be my next one. That would be uh, a good one as well. I, I said uh, it would be really ironic if the Bears come out and score on the first possession of 2020. I think that would be really funny. So. Uh, yeah, just score more points early is my last one. So I, I kind of just have one. Um, and for me, it's just uh, having better QB play. I, I Whether, you know, it's Mitch improving, whether we go out and get another QB, I, I just, the, you know, the, the quarterback is the most important position in football. Um, you know, if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to win much. And that's just the bottom line of things. So, um, you know, just better overall QB play, 
Um, and obviously, you know, some of the things Austin just mentioned, the offensive line, you know, getting their getting their thing together. Um, and, you know, that'll, you know, that'll help out the run game, obviously, as well uh, with David Montgomery. So, um, I mean, th- the main thing is just if you have a good quarterback, your offense looks better, your offense will thrive. So uh, just getting better QB play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all those are really good. Those are all really true things. And, you know, my first one uh, is stay healthy in 2020. I mean, one of the real true keys to success for the Chicago Bears in 2018 when they had that magical 12-4 season was the fact that they were pretty much one of the healthiest teams in football. I think they had the least amount of players on IR. um, And and we saw the effects of not having great health this year when Akeem Hicks was out, uh, Danny Trevathan. I mean, all these guys were going out and it was a mess. So, uh, you know, it's it's something that you, it's hard to control, right? But, you know, stay healthy in 2020, and it'll mean a lot to that team. And another one is go back to having fun because we talk about the culture. That team was not having fun at all this year. I mean, every once in a while, they, they, would, ha- they would have club dub after a win. They'd have a little bit of fun. And after the Dallas game, you know, they're having a little bit of fun, thinking about getting back into it. But, you know, that's what this team is built on. This team is built on having fun and playing with confidence. And when they don't do that, they're not going to have success. When that team does not play with confidence and they do not play with aggression, they do not have success. Whether it's from the quarterback position, whether it's from the defense, it just doesn't happen. That is what they're built on. And it goes hand in hand with the next one, which is get more explosive plays because the Bears ranked dead last in the NFL this year in explosive plays. Now, they ranked 30th in a lot of things. They ranked 27th in a lot of things. But the one thing they ranked dead last in the NFL in is the fact that they had, you know, very, very, very limited amount of explosive plays. And that, to me, is, is huge. I mean, you go back and you look at a highlight reel of the 2019 Chicago Bears. I mean, how, how many 50-plus yard plays were there? I, I can't even think of many at all. And, again, it's a testament to to the fact that you got to be aggressive and you got to attack and you got to play with confidence and be willing, not just as a play caller, but as a quarterback as well to throw the ball downfield and attack defenses and attack weak defenses um they, they didn't do that against some struggling defenses throughout the year so you know go back to aggression go back to confidence and get some more explosive plays that to me uh is a huge new year's resolution for 2020 that just about wraps it up for us here austin chris you guys have any more thoughts for us before we wrap up the show I'll, I'll say thank, thanks guys so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. We'll have to return the favor. You guys come on the household brawl. Um, but yeah, I mean, hoping that 2020 brings uh, better, some better football and some uh, some smarter moves, hopefully to make this team better <laughs> for the long run. Yeah, you know, just um, I want to thank Austin for, for coming on to the show. Um, and, you know, that, that pretty much, he pretty much just, just nailed it on the head. You know, just hoping um, the Bears can, can get back can get right again in in 2020 and and just you know hoping things look up from there absolutely so make sure you guys check out the hallis hall brawl podcast i'm I'm sure it's live on all platforms they're present on twitter check out austin f on twitter as well he has a lot of great opinions and also check out chris nano on twitter both of those guys are, are super awesome and again thanks austin for coming on happy new year to all the listeners uh let's hope Let's hope that 2020 is a better year than 2019 was. We'll end on that. Uh, Take care, guys, and bear down. Bear down. Bear down.